This podcast covers all things health, your body, your brain, and your well-being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors, as well as the occasional guest, to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just a number of things. Now I can't put them all in order and review them. But we've gone through the history. We've gone through the exam. We've gone through so many of the basics of what needs to be done, the foundational what needs to be done. And now we're going to start moving into a little bit more into treatment. Um, and and, and this, this topic today, which is stress uh, and how chronic stress creates and or perpetuates chronic conditions. Uh, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a borderline uh, foundational issue and it's kind, of a, it's kind of also a huge functional issue as far as relative to the future talks are gonna be, for example, about the large intestines, the small intestines, the stomach, how they all play into each other, the order in which to attack them. And so when a person comes into our office, we, uh, once we've decided that they're probably a good candidate, we have them fill out an 18-page history, and it has questions on all of those areas. And we have uh, one section of about maybe 12 questions on, on the intestines, and then we have another test uh, area on maybe five questions on intestinal permeability. We have um, five pages of questions on the brain and, and, and brain chemistry and brain chemistry, when it goes abnormal, results in anxiety, it results in panic attacks, it results in depression, it results in inf inflammation, it results in breaking down what's called the blood-brain barrier. The bottom line is all of these different physiological, neurological abnormalities create a lot of problems. I would make the argument that it's at least a ginormous contributor to this expanding um, group of patients who are the chronic pain patients, the autoimmune patients, and, and, and I'm gonna, we're gonna understand why I think that by the time we're done with this. So, so basically, yeah, you have, you know, the brain pretty much controls everything, and I'm not gonna get into you know, the neurons and all that type of stuff. The brain pretty much controls everything. It controls your arms, it controls moving, it controls it controls whether you move your finger, it controls your thinking, it controls all that. We're pretty, we're pretty much aware of all that. And, and, and we know that if our arm starts not working and we start getting tremors, we start thinking, oh, there's some nerves that's going on. And sometimes those nerves are, 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 are coming from the brain and sometimes they're not. But we kind of have a, a relative grasp of that. But what we see in this office, this I can say with full accuracy, virtually every day, 
in, in probably 95% of the new patients that come in here, people who come in here for consultations, people who start care, is that the vast majority of them have a chronic stress response going on. That's separate from the motor nerves that I just got done talking about. Motor nerve is something that allows you to move your hands and, and move your feet. And, and then that's separate from, and that's separate from, that's separate from the, uh, the thinking part of your brain, okay? The thinking part of your brain is all of these ripples, all these rugae in, 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 the, in the, what's called the cerebrum, okay? So this is thinking, but we're not talking about those parts of the brain. We're talking about the part of the brain that is, an, is the automatic part of the brain, the autonomic part of the brain, which controls your entire physiology without you even thinking about it. The stress response is, is, is so important that I don't think that you can get somebody well long-term unless you're addressing this response. I don't think you can get a person's irritable bowel syndrome gone long-term unless you address the response I'm about to talk about. I don't believe you can get a person's leaky gut better if you don't address this response. And I could go on and on. You're not gonna, this goes kind of back to, for those of you who might be familiar with alternative care, uh, this goes back to the days of if you can't fix the adrenals, you can't fix anything, but you can't fix the adrenals if you can't fix the stress response. You, I've, I've done talks online that were titled, I believe the adrenals are the wrong target. So, uh, so, the, so, so in our world, we talked about doing a complete neurological exam on every chronic pain patient that comes in here, and certainly that's warranted if you have fibromyalgia, peripheropathy, those are nerves, but we do it on somebody comes in here and if they have chronic fatigue or if they have irritable bowel syndrome and they don't have fibromyalgia or some neurological problem like MS or something like that, we still do it for this reason. So, so let's see, I'm looking, for a, uh, I'm looking for a tool here. Here's my tool. Okay, so, so there's a part of the brain called the brain stem. For those of you who are students, you might have heard it called the old brain, the lizard brain. It, it, it has a number of different names. But, but technically, it has nothing to do with thinking. It has nothing to do with any of that type of stuff. It, it, it does a million things. But, the, but what we're particularly interested in in this presentation is that fact that it houses something called the autonomic nervous system. You can almost think of it as the automatic nervous system. And what it does is it keeps us balanced, it speeds us up, it slows us down. It controls your saliva, it controls your eyes tearing, it controls your eyes dilating and contracting, it controls everything dilating and contracting, it, it, it controls your arteries dilating and contracting, it controls your breathing, it controls your bowel movements. In fact, um, it controls your sleep. There's a part of it that, that actually works with a place in your brain called the hippocampus to control your circadian rhythm. I go, you're going to sleep and waking up. Or my patients, my, my, I can't go to sleep and I wake up and I can't go back to sleep. And they're now calling this the rest and digest system because if this system is working properly, you're sleeping well, your bowels are moving well. And so this is, this, and, and, and this system is, is, I believe, the key to long-term success in the functional world, in, a, in any world. I mean, if you're trying to get yourself better and, and, and you're having this type of a stress response, there's a, you, you, you may be someone who goes to a chiropractor 
and, and, and you can't get better because, and the adjustments hurt you because your muscles are stiff and they never get soft. Or you may go to the physical therapist and they can, or the massage therapist and they say, oh, your muscles are like knots and, 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 and it hurts when you get taken care of. Or just a number of things where this stress response is gonna prevent you from even getting well with, with, with treatment. So what is this stress response? This is the, this is the brain stem and, and there's three parts to it. The bottom two thirds, for those of you who are more academic out there, is the pons and the medulla. But the bottom two thirds basically houses the parasympathetic nervous system. We'll call it the rest and digest relaxation mechanism, okay? And the important thing to understand about this mechanism is that this is kind of where we're supposed to be. The way your brain is set up is, is it, it works by stimulation. And we get a lot of sensory input from a lot of things, from walking, from feeling things, from smelling things, and they all feed back to the brain and they stimulate certain parts of the brain. And the brain needs to be stimulated to work right. 95% of stimulation that comes into your brain, okay, and goes up through your thalamus and, and goes into your brain and all this type of stuff, feeds back to stimulate this part of your brain. Why do I tell you that? Because what I'm trying to, to, to show there is that nature knows that we need to be calm all the time because if this area of the brain is dominating, if it's strong, if it's working, we're gonna be calm. We're going to be uh, sleeping well. Our bowels are gonna be working well. In absence of some sort of a pathology, this is going to keep this working well. This, so calm, believe it or not, is your natural state of being, all right? Now, there are neurons, there's a, there's a small pool of neurons here in the upper third of your brain, okay? And those neurons are the neurons that run your sympathetic nervous system. And I don't know why they call it sympathetic. I do know why they call it sympathetic, but it sounds like it would be sympathetic to you. But it's not very sympathetic because it makes you go crazy because when this goes on, it makes us jittery. Now, this is actually a, a, a core survival mechanism for us. So what happens is when, when th this is the, for those of you who are familiar with the fight flight mechanism, okay, this is the fight-flight mechanism. This is our innate, primitive survival mechanism. The, okay, the bear's chasing me, the lion's over there, I gotta like, I like, I like, I either gotta throw the spear at it or I gotta get out of here one or the other, okay? So here's how this works. Um, a little bit more of an updated example. Let's say um, you, uh, um, let's say you, 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 you think like you're gonna be walking down the street and you're gonna get attacked. Or let's say you simply have to give a speech for the first time and you've never talked in front of five people in your whole life. Both of those create a, a, a response in what's called your frontal lobe right here, okay? And this, don't fall apart on me. <laughs> this is your frontal lobe, okay? And so this is your frontal lobe, this is your thinking, this is who you are, this is your personality, this is where your brain goes. There's a problem here, I need energy. That's what the frontal lobe does. The frontal lobe then sends a signal to these guys. They're called the amygdala. Amygdala are the fear center of your brain. Remember that, it's the fear center of your brain. This, this center also happens to run your whole emotional system. That's important. That's gonna be important to us in a few minutes. So this frontal lobe goes, there's danger. Frontal lobe says we, 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 we need energy. It tells the amygdala, the fear center of the brain, hey, be fearful because we need energy. And then that tells, the little neuron pool here in the upper brain, 
to start making energy right now, the sympathetic nervous system. And here's an important point. This then shuts down the relaxation response. Now again, a more salient even a point than that is you're either here or you're here, but you're never in both. You might be in the fight flight response and be like a one on a scale at one to 10, or you might be a 10 on a scale at one to 10, but while you're in that flight mechanism, this is pretty much shut down. The relaxation response where we're supposed to be in our normal state of being is shut down. When relaxation responses is, is dominating, we are feeling pretty darn good, okay? But we need to get out of here right now because the bear's about to eat us. So this shuts down and then it sends a signal down here, down here, this is your spinal cord, and it sends it out to something called your adrenal glands, which are two little kind of cone-shaped little uh, uh, glands that are sitting on top of your kidneys. And then those adrenal glands start vomiting out hormones. You would, you would know them as stress hormones, although they do a lot of other things. They would, they would vomit out adrenaline, so adrenaline starts making your heart pound, right? And so then they, then, they, then they start putting out something called epinephrine. So now you start being able to breathe more. Your, your, uh, your uh, uh, bronchial tubes now will start to dilate and you'll, you'll actually be able to take more oxygen in. They put out something called aldosterone. Aldosterone works with your kidneys to raise your blood pressure. Why would you wanna raise your blood pressure? Because you gotta get blood to your big muscles in your chest, your back, your arms, your butt your thighs, you know, all the big muscles that are gonna allow you to fight or flee. Um, it starts moving blood sugar. There's another hormone that the adrenals put out called aldost or, um, uh, 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 corticosteroids. So the corticosteroids then start moving blood sugar out of your liver and into your, and into your bloodstream. And a lot more things happen than that. But basically, all of that's happening to put sugar into your muscles, sugar into your frontal lobe, electrolytes. It's moving everything into the big muscles uh, so that they can fight or flee. In the meantime, it's draining blood from your intestines. It's telling your bladder shut down. And whether you realize it or not, it actually even shuts down your throat. Because you don't need to be eating and you don't need to be peeing and you don't need to be pooping, right? While you're fighting or fleeing. So nature puts you in the optimum position neurologically and chemically to be able to fight or flee. And this is where that superhuman strength comes from, where you've heard the, where you, I haven't heard this one lately, but during my lifetime, it's always been the, the little old gal who like weighs about 90 pounds who picks the car up off of the kid that the car just rolled on top of. And these things have happened and, and, and they've been documented. And then when it's over, the person drops the car and everything goes back to where, where it should be. And that's what should happen. This just should be a very short term response. What should happen is once the danger is gone or once the speech is over or once the kid's out from under the car, what should happen is, is this frontal lobe should now say, you know what? Okay, I don't need all that energy anymore because you're gonna, I'm gonna, you know, you're gonna be in bad shape if, I, if, I, if you keep putting all that energy out. And then it tells the fear center to tell something down here called your cerebellum to shut down this midbrain sympathetic fight flight response and then you go back to rest and relaxation. Okay, that's not the patient that shows up in here, okay? The patient that shows up in here is continually in some gradient or level of fight and flight. And, and, and so here's how that happens, okay? So it's the same mechanism. But what happens in the person that has most chronic conditions, um, again, I'll, I'll say 95% of the people that come in here, 
what happens with them is this fear center gets programmed. So it, it gets programmed like a computer. It's actually still a, a survival mechanism. But I just got done saying that it's not a survival mechanism if, if it goes for more than five or 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 minutes or a couple of hours or a couple of days, okay? And it's not. So why does it get programmed and why is it a survival mechanism? Well, it's a survival mechanism for the reasons that it gets programmed. And the, the reasons it gets programmed is usually some form of emotional trauma that that person's brain perceived as egregious in the women, it's usually for, well, I shouldn't say that anymore because I've had men that have gone through this too. Verbal, physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse. I hate to tell you how frequently that comes in. Um, it could be you know, that your parents were alcoholics, that they left you. It could be, there, there's a lot of very specific things. I mean, a lady came in here who was standing there where her husband got shot. You know, these are, these are like abnormal, like out of our reality type of things and they create such massive fear that the brain uh, will produce something called negative, I'm sorry, negative neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is when your brain changes to help you more in your endeavors. A, a sim the simplest um, way to put that, maybe the simplest example I can think of is, is playing the piano, okay? So playing the piano. So if you're playing chopsticks, you know the rest, okay? So basically, this part of the brain right here, just I'll put my finger right there, right there, is allowing you to do that, okay? Now let's say you get into something a little bit more uh, complex than, than those two fingers, okay? Let's say you get into something very simple, like you know, just simple, old songs like Sinatra songs or Beatles songs or even a simple ballad from today, something where the chords are simple, but it's a little more complex. A larger part of the brain will start to help that original area to be able to move the fingers more in a more complex fashion. That's called neuroplasticity. The neurons, the brain cells, will actually reach out with these little tentacles called dendrites to other neurons to recruit them to help. By the time you're to playing Tchaikovsky, it might be that this whole part of your brain has been recruited to help that. You stop playing for 10 years, it goes back to that. So your brain is plastic. When you, if you ever hear that term, that's what it means. So there's positive neuroplasticity, that's positive neuroplasticity, and there's negative neuroplasticity. And two things I see in this office that are negative neuroplasticity is chronic pain, where the brain has lost its ability to be able to filter out pain and, and negative neuroplasticity of this amygdala, which for starters, creates the situation of the brain not being able to filter out pain if pain is what you have. So this amygdala, this fear center, now gets from one of those other things, oh, one thing I forgot to mention is, what else will prime this is, you could be a perfectionist or you could be like a type A and because that type of brain's always looking to be right, so everything's gotta be right, everything's gotta be moved right here, everything's, you know, it's like everything's gotta be perfect, so you're continually stimulating this, and or, or type A is just, it's never enough. You always gotta do more, you gotta do more, you gotta do more, you gotta do more. All those keep stimulating this, this, this part of the brain, and so all of those things will create negative neuroplasticity. Even if you're a type A and you own 12 businesses and you've just built half of like, you know, a big city and everything is wonderful, 
It's not because usually this is being uh, stimulated and, and you're in this fight flight response. So what happens is this negative neuroplasticity causes this amygdala to continue that fight flight response where all those hormones are being put out like 24 hours a day. Some like this, some like that sometimes, but, but always being put out high, low, medium. Um, this is a person who can't go to sleep. They wake up, they can't fall asleep. There, there's a number of signs that, that this is going on. Your brain never shuts down. So this is negative neuroplasticity. And, and, and what's worse is the latest research shows that as that occurs, this amygdala, this fear center actually grows. So basically it's trying to either help you if you're the perfectionist or the, or the, or the type A, but it's trying to protect you from this egregious act of maybe being raped or beaten or shot or or alcoholic parents are abandoned. So it's keeping you aware all the time. Okay, so that's the mechanism. But here's why I'm going through all of this. And here's why I said this is kind of foundational to getting better, but it's also something that creates problems. It certainly perpetuates problems, and here's why. These adrenal glands that are putting out, you can't see me down here, but these adrenal glands I'm pointing to on top of my kidney, these adrenal glands keep putting out stress hormones because the brain keeps telling them to keep this relaxation response shut down and keep putting out adrenals uh, uh, hormones. And so the heart, so intermittently you keep putting out things that are altering your blood sugar, things that are causing stress hormones, things that are making, there's one particular hormone that's, that's, that is extremely destructive. If you're, if you're enjoying this, then, then you know, please don't miss next week. Next week is kind of a big, big deal in most people's uh, uh, journey to wellness. So, okay, that's it for this week. Thank you for watching again, and uh, take care. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.